Okay, before we kick off today's episode, I have a cheeky favor to ask any creative who might be listening. If you love big ideas and would like to come to Sydney to work for the world's most awarded audio specialist agency, please drop me a line at ralph at eardrum.com. We're expanding and we'd love to hear from you. Now, on with Don't Judge Me. Hi, and welcome to Don't Judge Me. I'm Ralph Van Dyke. Today's creative luminary is, well, you know, I'm just going to let him tell you. I'm Rob Riley. I'm the global creative chairman of McCann World Group, just sort of a master brand for a bunch of creative companies, including McCann, the ad agency, MRM, the relationship marketing, Momentum, the experience. So yeah, that's Rob. And I'm sure you've heard of him. It's a pretty cool job, big, big title, but, you know, we're a pretty grounded company, so don't let the title fool you. We had a great chat. Although, as you'll hear, I had to do it from an echoey hotel lobby in Tokyo, so I didn't wake up my son. I know it's unforgivable for an audio specialist like me, but think of it as adding a bit of visual charm. Rob is also a regular judge at the London International Awards, and he has some great insights about what he looks for when judging. They have done something. They've they've maybe stirred culture a bit, you know, and that's uh, an old, old Crispin sort of... You know, when the idea lands in culture, what's the story the press will write about? He tells me his secrets to being a successful ECD. What you need is the combination of both. Of the, I call it the charming provocateur. Because I think charming, and I don't mean charming, you need to get clients' asses. It's like the clients got to like you. And who he admires. So if we could all be the Richard Branson of advertising, I think we'd do pretty well. So here's me in a boomy hotel lobby talking to Rob, probably in a fancy Manhattan boardroom. So what what does your typical day look like? Oh, imagine every hour of every day, somewhere in the world, someone is trying to fire us. So that's what my day is like. I go to where the problems are. (laughs) I get involved with the work, but there's about 25,000 people in the Can World Group. We've got a lot of of accounts, a lot of big accounts, global accounts. So I spend a lot of my time on the global accounts. uh, And then some of the larger accounts in the U.S., like a Verizon, for instance which are as big yeah. as some of the, the global accounts. Uh, and then I, uh, you know, I, 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 half of the job is HR, you know. I'm always looking for talent mm. and placing talent and, and, and nurturing or talking talent off ledge, ledges, whatever you want, uh, you know, whatever, the, whatever is required. But I, I do spend yeah. a lot of time, I think the people, you know, if you follow me on Facebook, there's a phrase I use uh, every time we uh, hire somebody, I say hire great people get out of the way. So I'm a big believer in, yeah, in yeah. hiring the right people to do their jobs and uh, letting them do it. So what would you say um, is the worst part of your job? The worst part of my job? You know, I don't know if there... It's all... If it was easy, then, you know, you know, if they'd have, you know, chimps doing it, you know? It's... it's you got to know what you're, you're getting into. I think the worst part of the job is... Um, Getting people back up after a disappointment—that's that's. that's that, I don't know if it's yeah. the worst, but I'd say it's the hardest. You know, and I think especially yeah. creative people, we're pretty sensitive folks. And whether there's mm-hmm. an account loss or something doesn't get sold or doesn't come out as good as we, we have, or we have a bad meeting, it's uh, you know, it's and especially when it's critical of the work, it's, it's it's always difficult to get people back up. You kind of want people to take it personally to an extent because it shows that they care. Yeah, I try not to get too high or too low. You know, I try to. You know, when we're doing great or we win a big award or win a big account, I, I keep it even keels and, and then again, I, I try not to get as low as when something bad happens, which, you know, we are we are a, a business of ups and downs. So it's how do you stay, mm. stay even keeled 
certainly as the, maybe one of the people at the top, you know, you never want to see mom or dad crying. <laughs> no. <laughs> is that something you look for in up and coming creatives or is there another quality that you, uh, you look for particularly? Is there something that, you know, some sort of X factor that you go, yeah, they need to have this. I think it's pretty hard. You know, I'm not that deep into hiring the young creatives. You know, obviously when there's a, someone who's really doing well, it's always put on my radar. But, you know, I, I think what I look for in a creative director, um, and, and again, this is what young people should be moving towards because I think there used to be this, uh, used to be able to be the asshole creative director, right? And everybody was afraid of your yeah. clients included. Those days are gone. You know, I don't care what country you're in. Mm. in uh, those days are yeah. gone. And, and people don't want assholes in their own agency, you know? And I always say like, mm. You can't yell at people. You can't, you know, yell at traffic people or project managers. Like they'll find a way to get you, you know. So uh, yeah, you, you've yeah. got you've got to be uh, charming, and uh, but we also don't need creative directors that are pushovers, you know, that come back from a meeting and everybody's happy. But is the work good or bad? And the work's you know not not maybe as good, but as long as the client's happy, we don't need that either. What you need is the combination of both. Of the I call it the charming provocateur. And how do you, uh, okay. <laughs> you know, and I, because yeah. I think charming, and I don't mean charming, you need to kiss clients' asses. It's like your clients got to like you, you know, they have to like you mm-hmm. and certainly respect you. And you, you gain the respect by knowing more about the business than they do, caring more about it, working as, as, as hard as you can, thinking about, you know, what the business implications are versus just what, how do I sell great creative, um, all those things. And once you've got that, then I think you could be provocative. It's not the other way around. You know, I think you've got to really gain yeah. the trust um, and before you can sell something provocative. So I, I, I use, uh, I, I've, done, I've said this often, I use uh, Richard Branson. It's like we buy what he's selling because we like him, you know, and we like yeah. it because we know yeah. he cares or he's passionate about something. So if we could all yeah, be the Richard exactly. Branson of advertising, I think we'd do pretty well. Okay, looking for an uh, oldie beardy man. Yeah, the young version, you know? <laughs> Richard Branson yeah. at 20. What about the kind of work that, you, uh, that you, you like, you'd like to see from the next generation of creatives? Well, I think um, it's, I've said this when I was a jury president, you know, of, of Can, you know, four years ago when I was jury president this year, three years ago, I've done it twice in the last couple of years. Uh, you know, Mark Tutsel and I were both sort of the early judges of promo activation and then direct. So we, we both made a, a pact that we were really going to be tough on charity and uh, yeah, right. really reward people for uh, doing big work on hard brands or big brands. And I think that's the, the message I really want young people to understand. Like the business is selling things for our clients, you know, and of course, charity yeah. and, and pro bono and uh, proactive ideas are, are important and we should be, that's sort of dessert. I mean, of course you should be doing that. So that's, that's, you know, leaving money on the table. That's not actual money, but, you know, creative yeah. chips on the table. We have to do that. But yeah. I think, you know, when we start rewarding or rewarding people and, and ideas on equal playing field as things that are done for big brands like a Microsoft or uh, a Coca-Cola or MasterCard, these things, it's, it's a big difference to me. And, and, I, and I think yeah. it's important for, for young people to understand that because that's the, um, that's the real business we're in. The, the, the flip side of that too, though, is, you know, I'm a big believer in purpose-led marketing, you know, and I think 
you know, we're at a point where brands, you know, people accept brands in their lives more than ever before, but they expect a lot more from brands. So brands have to be doing more, and it doesn't mean they don't have, they can't make money. People don't care if you make money as long as you are doing the right thing, right by society, being innovative, bringing me better stuff at a cheaper price. So I do think purpose led is not charity. That's a that's real marketing to me. So I think those are the two things I would hope keep moving that brands keep doing the bigger better things and people are rewarding and recognizing that brands are doing some innovative things out there and that you know brands should be doing uh more than just you know selling their products what else are they doing that that helps society you know fill the 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 hole that i think governments have created you know the governments were set up to help people you know whatever country they were set up to help people and for whatever reason we're at a time where governments either do not have the money or the will to want to help people. So you see brands mm. really having to stepping feel that in. stepping in and be meaningful in people's lives. You know, the, the mission of McCann yeah. is how do we help brands be more meaning, play a meaningful role in people's lives. So I think more and more, you know, figuring out innovative ways for brands to help people through their products, not just, yeah. you know, sponsoring a, an initiative. Uh, it's really refreshing to also hear just that reality check that you, you mentioned at the beginning, which is, I mean, I sat at the, in, in, the, in the award shows at Cannes this year and probably 75% of the awards went to campaigns that were in inverted commas for good, uh, even though they were brand, you know, that there was a, a large brand attached to them. But, you know, they, that, that represents maybe, I don't know, 5% of what my year looks like. You know, when we, when we, uh, when we're working pro bono and, 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 you know, we pull out all the stops for that because, you know, that, that's the trade off. You know, you, you, you do that for free, but you have a bit more flexibility with the creative. But when it, when it represents such a huge proportion of the award winners, and I know how difficult it was to sell my tire campaign in <laughs> and try and get some sort of emotional response, it felt, um, like the, the shows are a little bit out of whack. So it's great to hear that. I really love that more brands realize they have a responsibility too. So, like, I'm I'm okay with more and more purpose-led marketing, uh, but it really hits the the sweet spot when it's someone like Apple. You know, when they turn their stores, their their 500 retail uh, stores from you know just places that sell products to places of education and inspiration and protecting creativity for the future. You know, that's genius marketing where they're they're. They've turned their stores into community centers, their retail stores, but everybody's using their products. So it's just genius selling to me, you know, like it's really, uh, that's why we gave it the Grand Prix, you know. Well, what would be your proudest piece of work, Rob? What's something that you look back and you go, yeah, that that was um, a significant and and important piece. And to this day, I still proudly would, would talk about it. Well, you know, I've been lucky enough to, you know, work at, you know, obviously one of the greatest agencies of all time in Kristen, you know, at Agency of the Decade, uh, and worked on a lot of great, great things. Very proud of, of a lot of that work. But it, it, it's hard to compare anything to Fearless Girl when you realize the impact sure. that it's just beginning to have. You know, I, I made a presentation yeah. Yeah. Uh, two days ago to, um, you know, one of our clients and to a big group, and, and and I was talking about Feral School, and I said the you know the results on Feral School for State Street are really high and fantastic, but the impact of Feral School is fully yet to fully reveal, reveal itself. Like 
you know, a six-year-old girl who goes to visit the statue and then who knows, might, might be inspired at that moment that she can do anything and then, you know, uh, yeah. grows up to be, uh, you know, like, so that's the kind of thing. It's really hard to, um, to, 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 to compare it to anything else, you know, not that it won all these awards, uh, but just that, you know, it'll hopefully still be there and, and inspiring people, you know, a hundred years from now. You know, and that would be, yeah, yeah. so it's, it, it, I don't think anything else will compare for me and, you know, listen, if we can beat that with something else that has the kind of impact that did and done with out technology, really done just a pure smart yeah. idea, you know, and that's, uh, yeah. so, you know, that's an obvious choice, but I, I think people would, you know, and I was pretty, pretty involved in that one. So, uh, you know, we worked so hard on it and, and, and people, and, you know, the two women who came up with the idea and then how many times it died and came back and, you know, it was, uh, kind of a, a magic moment and especially to do it, um, you know, again, I, I was lucky enough to work for great people like Alex McGusky and, uh, to be able to come here and, and maybe do something on, on par with, with some of the work that was done at my old agency, um. You know, an iconic piece of, of advertising history. You know, I think it'll end up being. Yeah. And so that that's uh, nice. And, and and listen, when when young people are part of the process and they start to get a taste of wow, what I can do and the kinds of ideas I have might impact the world. Like then you you've got people that might be in our business for life. You know, and that's important. Okay, well, let's flip it. What, what about a piece of work that still haunts you to this day? It sends a, sh- a shiver down your spine when you re- recount it. Well, I don't know if it sends a shiver down my spine. You know, I don't regret anything. You know, I, I, don't, I don't fear anything. I don't regret anything. But uh, Andrew, I was just, you know, Andrew Keller, who's the global creative director of Facebook uh, Creative Shop and was my partner at, at Crispin and then became the CEO, became my boss. Um, you know, uh, we had this account called Groupon. I don't know if you know what Groupon is. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Groupon's like a, coo- camp- a coupon campaign. And we did this campaign um, a few years ago, maybe 2011. Uh, and it ran on the Super Bowl. And it was, you know, we thought it was funny and irreverent. And it sort of played off celebrity charity. You know, celebrities who donate to charities and, and their, their time. And we sort of did, took a spin on that. And... Uh, it, it did not go over well. <laughs> it was a it was a disaster. <laughs> we were we were fired. I don't think we we're you know. I, I'm still oh, proud wow. of the campaign. Okay. I still think it's great. But if if you look up the Groupon uh, Timothy Hutton ad, uh, you will you will see right. it was. Uh, there's definitely some stories of uh, you know. But you know, I, I think that's we were going for it, and we thought we were doing the right thing. And uh, in hindsight. You know, I think we 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 made fun of uh, a, a, a people versus a thing, and that's where the campaign. It was the only execution in the campaign that made fun of a, a people versus like saving the whales or uh, the rainforest. Uh, yeah. And I think that's where yeah, it was. A, it was a real big lesson to learn. I mean, the, the the goal is never to get your work pulled off the air or to cause so much controversy that it upsets so many people. Like it's a failure when your your work is pulled off the air. So the reason I'm most uh, not, I don't regret it, but something maybe that haunts me is that the work had to be pulled off the air, and I don't think that's a. Yeah. There's no. There's no. There's no uh, accomplishment in that. Mountainous Tibet, one of the most beautiful places in the world. This is Timothy Hutton. The people of Tibet are in trouble. Their very culture is in jeopardy. But they still whip up an amazing fish curry. 
And since 200 of us bought at Groupon.com, we're each getting $30 worth of Tibetan food for just $15 at Himalayan restaurant in Chicago. Save the money. Unlock great deals in your town. Groupon.com. So what if, what if you could go back in time and give yourself a piece of advice when you were first starting out? What, what would it be? To, uh, to not follow the money or the titles. I think that is, uh, I was, in a lot of ways, I I, I ended up, you know, uh, teaching myself the business. There wasn't that many ad schools at the time. I started as an assistant or secretary at the time and uh, worked my way up and then, you know, got into some ad agencies and ended up being pretty good at some things and then uh, cut to, you know, being 30, you know, two years old or 33 years old and realizing I had a big job, but I didn't really have a lot of great work. And uh, I uh, yeah. followed a little bit of the title, and you get a little swept up by the money. And then I realized I, you know, I was just going to end up being maybe one of those people who had a big job and a and a big title, but eventually would be, you know, out of a job because I didn't have the work. Yeah. So I uh, yeah. I start I, I I started over. I went dropped my salary by about sixty percent, and my title down to copywriter or senior copywriter, and started over at Crispin. Uh-huh. And um, you know, it wasn't that it was a waste of time because I, that my previous years, but I was doing it all wrong. And, uh, you know, working for Alex and, uh, you know, and, and Andrew Keller and, and some of the other great people there, uh, I, I learned the business and I, I ended up doing, you know, the work, starting as back as a writer and relearning how to do that in, in a better way. But I did, I did have a lot of the skills of maybe of how to deal with clients and deal that stuff. So I just needed a little yeah. bit more of a, an environment that can, you know, that allowed for, you know, what I thought I had, the, the kind of creative skills I had. And then I, you know, needed to start a bit over uh, and just make a lot of work. So that's what I did as a, you know, first few years there. I was just making a lot of work as a copywriter and it was, uh, you know, yeah. changed my life, obviously. Well, yeah, if you follow the work and that make, make that your priority, yeah. the money will come. Yeah, exactly. I mean, in 20 years, I don't think I've asked for a, a raise or a, a you know, a new title, you know, I mean, if you work for the right people that, you know, they, they, uh, they take care of you. I was just being rewarded with titles and money because I was good in a room for the first 10 years of my career. If you were starting out today, would you still want a job in advertising? I think so. You know, I think, you know, everything is advertising for me, you know, like whether you're working at Spotify or you're working at Facebook, like it's all marketing, you know, I, 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 you know, and I think it's an awesome business, an awesome time. You have so many avenues to go, so many different kinds of companies, so many, so many choices, so much kinds of media channels to be creative in. That's a big challenge because you got to be good at a lot of things. But I think it's an amazing time to be part of the business, and I'm excited for it. You know, I, I, I and I do think the more and more we all realize, like the competition is not ourselves. You know, it's the competition for me is not. Omnicom or BBDO or Publicis or, you know, any other agency. The competition is is CEOs and boards of companies believing in what we do, believing in the power of yeah. of creativity to solve a business problem, you know, not to make the ad, yeah. but like our thinking. So I celebrate and I applaud when I see another agency do something great that's solving a big business problem with like incredible creativity because it means we our value goes up. You know, it, it's funny when yeah. When uh, you know one of the holding companies does bad and their stock goes down and and people are like I, I've heard people celebrate and I'm like what's wrong with you people like investors buy sectors they buy you know everybody has yeah. to do well so yeah. I'm a I'm a real you yeah. know I think there's one agency and the whole agency is the industry 
And we need to continue to keep fighting and proving our value by the ideas we have that are solving real business problems. And that's why I push the non-charity work and I push doing big work. So I, you know, it it sounds slightly Pollyanna, but it's not like it's, it's more survival. You know, I think the more and more we celebrate when everybody does well, the, the, there's enough business and, and money to go around, but there won't be if, if, you know, CEOs and boards of companies start putting more money into other things other than marketing and, and you know, innovation through marketing. Well, what, what if you weren't in advertising, though? What, what would you be doing, do you think? I think I would do something with chairs. I mean, I've been, it's been well documented, my obsession with chairs. Uh, so I, I, I like furniture. I don't know. I don't know if I would design furniture or I would sell furniture, but I, I, I like that. And I like... Uh, soccer. So those are two angles that would, maybe I'd make chairs for soccer games, for soccer game watching. I don't know. Maybe I would invent that. Well, you just hit two of my passion points. This could take another hour. Of the yeah, podcast, yeah, yeah. So we better get off it before the more. entire podcast uh, audience will drop okay. off. What about um, getting specific about Leah? So, what in what in your opinion, why is winning a Leah valuable, um, and, and why should people enter? Listen, I, you know, in, until there's not award shows, until they don't matter, you know, until, <coughs> you know, you know, the, the, the industry fights back and says we're not doing any award shows, there's too much money and too much time, like, that, that, that debate has been going on for how long? <laughs> uh, yeah, right. You know, they're, they're still valuable because it's a uh, validation of, of, you know, the best in creativity. You need some kind of benchmarks. Uh, the, the world has changed from maybe... You know, 15 years ago, where there was no internet. You know, the internet actually is actually the first award show daily. You know, like if it's a great idea, it spreads. <laughs> um, yeah. So th- that's the most important award show is to win the internet. Uh, you know, because if you lose the internet, you lose big uh, sometimes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, what about what about Leah though specifically? Yeah. Is there something about that show that is? Oh, oh, Ralph, I'm feels unique. To, I'm getting to that. I'm getting to that. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I'm, I'm meandering. <laughs> Let me meander. This is the American meandering. Uh, you know, I. I was just hearing Barbara's voice in the background going, "Oh, sure, he likes award show, but what about us?" Yeah. So uh, Barbara, oh my god, I'll, I'll I love you, Barbara. You're, you're you're crazy, but I love you. You're 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 literally out of your mind. Um, no, she's the best. <laughs> you are the best, Barbara. The I always <laughs> like this show. For, you know, I don't know. Like some shows just just have a. Uh, I feel it's a little punk rock this show a bit, you know. I think it's always trying to do something a little different. It's got probably the, one of the cooler mm. trophies out there, you know. That does matter, you know. I think anything badging you haven't, um, yeah. And I think they're, you know, they've, they've been on the forefront of creating some of these new things or new categories or new ways, you know, having the students in for the final round. I remember doing it a few years ago. I was like, wow, this is a good idea, you know. Like so, yeah. there's something yeah. about it that it feels a little. You know, punk rock to me, and I, I think that's a cool thing. You know, I mean, there's there's lots of shows, you know, and uh, obviously there's you know the big ones out there, but certainly can is is what it is. You know, that's a, a, a you know it's a that's a category of one. I think of just of just size and importance. You know, but mm. I think LIA has always had a an edge to it that uh, feels slightly unique. You know, whether it's because of the categories they've they've created or just the the fact that they've always tried different things and not worried too much about it, you know, like let's have students or let's yeah. have young people sitting in the finals of jury, you know, and you're, and you're thinking like, wow, this is, is this going to be terrible or is this going to be awesome? I thought it was awesome. You know, I thought it, when I, I think I was there the first year they had it, 
And I remember thinking, like, it really made the, the jury members in the finals, like, concentrate, be respectful, look at every piece of work, care about it, talk about it, want to articulate it. So in some ways, it forced pretty good behavior. And I don't think it yeah. changed the outcome one bit. So I think it's an amazing initiative. I think that because one year we were talking about Bali and said, you know, we should record some of these conversations because this is really valuable for the for the teams. And I said, well, bring them in. They're all they're sitting there. They've, they've got the day off today. Bring a, bring half a dozen in and, and listen to us because it, if I was in that situation at, at twenty whatever, to hear the uh, the criteria that that the that the the people I respect are using to judge my work and to and why my piece that I was convinced was going to pick up was rejected at, at shortlist. I want to know why. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's a speed. It's a it's a it's a fast track uh, learning process. Cheers to you for coming up with the idea then, because I, it's it's one of well, my favorite ideas. I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know whether how you know. There's, I'm sure there were two or three other people were thinking the same thing at the same time. It's like like those oh, ideas. Oh, sure, like I had that idea. Yeah. <laughs> well, she did kind of. She said, "Why don't you record it? Send it." Yeah, like, like that's creativity. That's collaboration. So I think it was a you you and Barbara slash each other on the idea. You get a slash. Yeah, there we go. What about the um, the criteria you use when you're judging and and. You know, what, what differentiates, if, if you can, if there's something that you brief your judges with uh, that would differentiate bronze to silver, silver to gold, gold to Grand Prix, is there something that you use, an analogy? I don't know. I, you know, it's, 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 it's a hard, hard thing. I think you know it when you feel it. And, of course, each show is different. There's different point systems, and then it's ranked, and it's, you know, I, I think, um, you yeah, know, the easiest is, is the golds and the Grand Prix. You know when those... Sort of, rear, you know, you know, like reveal themselves. You know, they they have done something. They've they've maybe stirred culture a bit. You know, and that's a, an old old Crispin sort of. You know, when the idea lands in culture, what's the story the press will write about? You know, so I think, and it could be anything. You know, there's there's commercials that now get stories in press, and then and and innovations or you know or print ads or. So I think that's how I look at a gold idea of like, wow, this is so unique or so different or so funny or so magical or emotional that someone's writing about it and someone's sharing it and someone's talking about it, you know? And if when it gets that mass, you know, it could be from any country or any region of the world, like, or any category of, of business, you know, health. I mean, so much great work has come from the health sector, you know, over the last few years, yeah. if you yeah. think about it. So that to me is gold. And then Grand Prix, it's, you know, it... It's it's funny. I remember we were having this debate uh, the year of uh, a few years ago. Uh, there was there was this uh, someone was talking about you know REI and you know in different shows that won a Grand Prix and uh, the opt out side mm. and they closed for Black Friday. And I remember yeah. being in a jury room of I don't know what jury I was on, and someone said, "Well, why, why would you close on the the biggest sales day of the year?" And I, I had a, I almost spit my water out like a spit take because I was like, "Oh my God, how's this person in the jury?" Uh, and I, and I said, I said, well, you know what? I'll shop there every other day of the year. Yeah. You know, like, (laughs) so I think those ideas and it's not the classic, like, oh, I wish I had done that. But it's like, for me, it's like, wow, that, that proved our industry's value in, 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 Mm. you know, in, in, you know, 10 times over. So that, that's how I look at the Grand Prix. It's like, okay, is it not just an amazing piece of work? It also depends on the category. But did it 
did it prove our value over and over and over? So if someone who's outside the industry would look at it or someone who's in the brand side would be like, wow, that was, I can see the strategy. I can see how great yes. the execution is and I can see how it would work solving a business problem. Hmm. Was there, is there, has, has there been any memorable, stroke, bizarre judging experiences that you've had in the, in the judging room? You've judged a lot. The one I just described where someone was questioning oh, yeah. the smartness of closing on Black Friday for a, yeah. a company encouraging people to go outside. Uh, okay. You know, I think that's probably the strangest one. I, I, I couldn't believe I was, I was hearing what I was hearing. But, uh, I, you know, it's, I find the jury, I love it. You know, I, I try not to do too many of them because uh, I, I think it's important to push new people forward. Uh, and if I don't have to judge another show again, it's not because I don't like doing it or like the experience. I really love meeting new people and people from other parts of the world. Um, but I, it's important that we have a new, you know, tier of people that become jury presidents and, and get more people in the pipeline and ju- judging the shows. And obviously more diversity yeah, is, is key. So, you know, if I, if I don't judge again, I feel like I've... I've been jury president of a lot of shows and I've, I've judged some different things and christened new categories. So I don't, I don't know if I've, I feel like I've, I've, I would have missed out on anything. And of course, if I, if I mm. get asked to do it, I probably will do it if I, but no more than one a year. But even to that, it's probably too much. Yeah. There's, there's enough great people, talented people, uh, younger, uh, th- than, than I and some of my counterparts that I think are worthy of, you know, being on juries, if not jury presidents. So, you know, I'd like to see that as a, a trend, you know, again, yeah. it's important. Well, you, you get better the more you do. So it's you know, good to, to get people in there earlier. You need, you need, you need some people who've done it and for it. No. And yes. And, 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 and obviously jury president really knows how to, to run a room, hopefully. But, you know, I do think we've got to get more, not just diversity. I think, you know, they probably, we certainly need more women and certainly need more people of color, but I think there are a lot of even younger, you know, guys in from America that are not getting, you know, a chance to be on juries too, you know? So because of the the, the need to want to be more diverse, which is super important, but, uh, you know, we can sort of retire the over 50 white guys like me, you know, so. <laughs> I mean, that's me as well. Though. Yeah, yeah. So, Just well, one more year, Barbara. Yeah, we've all, we've judged a lot, you know, I mean, so I think it is interesting, uh, you know, at some point it has to, has to turn over. And I think that all the shows have done a good job. Certainly LIA has done a great job of having more diverse and, and bringing new people on and and just being open to young people being part of the process. So, you know, if you have a jury of 10 people, like, why not have a, a great copywriter who's made a lot of great stuff. Everybody doesn't have to be a, yeah. uh, uh, an ECD or CCF. Fantastic. Okay, look, we've got the quick fire round now. Shoot. Okay, do you keep a portfolio? Uh, if so, what's on it? I do not. People know where I am, and if it's great, I get you know a lot of credit, and if it's bad, I get a lot of credit. Okay, what would you say if, uh, I don't know if you have nieces or nephews or kids, what if they wanted to get into advertising? What would you say to them? Please do. Say it's it's a fantastic business. Don't 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 be negative. Be positive. Uh, speaking of negative, how many people have you fired? Zero to ten, ten to twenty, twenty plus. I'd say ten to twenty, but none of them I've enjoyed. Have you had to step on or step over someone to get where you are today? No, never. Great. I've always worked for people who hopefully recognize. And I don't know where. How maybe my parents taught me that or early bosses, but. Um, yeah. You know, I just 
someone, you know, certainly the second half was just put your, keep your head down and do the work. Yeah, nice people win. Yeah. How often do you uh, conceive or actually write ads these days? I don't know if I conceive or write, but fix <laughs> or help or tweak or, you know, rewrite. Uh, but, you know, again, like... There's a lot to do, and I, you know, if you hire the right people, your job is just to make some of the stuff better and to, to help it along and to, yeah. to be, you know, no pressure. No, none of the CCOs are required to show me anything. I encourage them to, you know, but uh, which means I probably get more than I probably should. But, you know, I, I think, uh, yeah. So a lot of the fixing. Do I miss it? Well, I listen. Fixing it's a lot of work already, you know. So. Uh, but, you know, once in a while I will, you know, in, on big things, I will be sitting down and say, hey, I have this thought, I have this thought. But, you know, people you hire that are talented want to do the do the job and you got to let them, whether I like it or not, I you know, I got to agree. I don't think uh, you're going to have a lot of success over 25,000 people if you're thinking you're going to have to solve it. You've hired good enough people. Sure. I do. I am deep in the work, though. It's not that I'm, I'm not in the work. I'm just not. I come in at different times. Okay, here's one of those questions that you, you may well decide to pass on. How much do you earn? Um, more than my wife. She's retired. Well, what's the most expensive thing you own that's not your home? And what's it worth? Most expensive thing I own. Wow. It's a great... Well, uh, man, the homes in New York City, apartments in New York City are expensive, so I, I, my wife and I own one. Uh, and she was a big partner at Crispin Port of Augusta. She was, when I say she's retired, she earned it. She, she was, you know, star account yeah. person. So she's, uh, I don't want this to be uh, misconstrued that she's, you know, doesn't, didn't earn the, and she does, she's very busy doing a lot of work for charities and stuff now. So, uh, you know, I don't, I have a lot of clothes. Uh, I have a lot of furniture, you know, but I don't know, other than the homes, I don't know, I own a 2008 old BMW, not a lot of expensive stuff. You know, I have a you know watch that someone gave me that I think is about $5,000, but... What about your, what about in the furniture? There must be a piece there that you go, yep, yeah, okay, that's, that's a rare... Uh, yeah, there used to be, but now, you know, my favorite thing is a swan chair. Ah, lovely. You know, Ernie Jacobson's ah, swan chair, the original, with only the one piece of aluminum, not two-piece not two piece base, so, I don't know. Okay. Uh, yeah, so that's my favorite thing, but, you know, I... I I, obviously, homes are, you know, it's like everybody, it's, it's just, it's, uh, I don't know, I don't really have expensive stuff other than maybe some expensive clothes and <laughs> some chairs, but I don't know. Yeah. It's never been, a, you know, I was raised pretty well to not care too much about materialistic things. Cool. Well, Swan Chair will do. Yeah. Okay, last question. When do you plan to retire and make room for one of the Lear delegates? Well, uh... You know, everybody's like, says like, wow, Rob, you could never retire, you know, you'd be so bored. It's like, I don't know, if I was, I don't know, if I won the lottery, I don't know, I think I could retire some time, yeah, you know? Tempting. Be pretty tempting. Mm -hmm. No, I'm 49, uh, so, again, I, you know, I never cared about being too rich or, so, you know, I don't know if I need to work till the end of time, but, I don't know, I still, I love what I'm doing, I love the people I work with, I love my partners and... Uh, I have a great CEO in Harris Diamond and great strategy partner in Suzanne Howard. You know, I have a lot of, and Nanette and Chris and Bill Cole. I mean, there's a lot of this team here is a really good team. So I don't know. I, I, I tell people who come to um, interview me, and this is the last thing I'll probably say. Uh, 
I tell people who get, by the time they get to me, they, they've probably been vetted pretty well, whatever, whatever department they're in. So I'm, maybe I'm there to close is not the right word, but at least to convince them that this is the place to be. And I say, listen, at, at your age and your accomplishment, uh, you know, you only have one job and that job is to take care of your family. So you might as well do it with people you like, you know, in the end, like it comes down to the business is really hard out there. It's hard for our clients too. I have great empathy for our clients. They're in really tough positions. They want to be fearless, but it's not always easy. You know, There's a lot of riding on their decisions. So it's really difficult. The business is difficult. So if it inside the walls of McCann, McCann World Group is not great and at least positive, then we have no no chance. You know, we have no chance. So yeah. we're really protective of that culture. It doesn't mean we don't work hard or we're not hard on ourselves or things get heated. It's not like, you know, sunshine and, and, and rainbows, but uh, we definitely recognize how difficult you know, the business is that, you know, you got to make sure that inside your walls is super positive and it doesn't mean you can't do great work. I think that we've, we've proven that we're a nice place to be and, and also can do some pretty solid work. And you are doing that. Absolutely. No wonder you, you, uh, have got plenty of, plenty of time before you consider retirement or, or anything, <laughs> anything like that resembles that. Thanks, man. Uh, that's fantastic. Rob, thank you for everything. It's been great. Hopefully, uh, you know, we'll see each other soon. Thanks, Rob. Have a great day. And, uh, this is my scene in Vegas. Thank you. Cheers, mate. So I hope you enjoyed a small window into Rob Riley's world. And if you did, please share it with other people who might like it and perhaps even write a review. Next time, Rosie Jacob, a founder of the nomadic creative consultancy Genius Steals. So the last time I had a physical home base was March of 2013. Wow. I don't know if I'm really jealous or just really relieved that that's not my life. Um, but you can find out more about Rosie next time on Don't Judge Me. Don't Judge Me is an eardrum production for the London International Awards with help from Jesse Williams, Kate Wiley, Tristan Viney, Paul Taylor and David McDonald. I'm Ralph Van Dyke and I'll chat with you soon.